0: This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
0: Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunsey. Now, the 2024 presidential election won't take place until November next year. But, of course, there is a long lead-in to the poll and things are happening already. The biggest event so far in the 2024 election cycle took place in New Hampshire on Wednesday evening when CNN held a town hall event with Caitlin Collins as the moderator and former President Donald Trump as the guest. The audience was made up of Republicans who were registered as Republicans for the purpose of voting in New Hampshire and many Trump supporters. And Niall Stanage, associate editor of The Hill, a respected Washington newspaper, for being non-partisan in this way. And Niall is also, of course the White House columnist for The Hill. Niall has written about this and he joins us now to talk about it. Niall, this was a disaster for CNN and it took place on Wednesday evening, 24 hours after a jury in New York found Donald Trump guilty of sexual assault and of libel, sexual abuse and libel, in separate findings, and they ordered the former president to pay the victim, E. Jean Carroll, a magazine columnist, $5 million. And on he went, within 24 hours, to put on a show on CNN where he was interviewed by Caitlin Collins, who is former chief White House correspondent for CNN. This was a disaster, Niall. And it has caused a big fuss in the United States, not just among Democrats or liberals, but among them Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, as she's famously known, a Democrat, progressive, she would call herself, I'm sure. She said CNN should be ashamed of themselves and called it a disgrace. What did you make of it, now?
2: It was a debacle for CNN and for Caitlin Collins herself, who has been a a rising star at the network. Uh, Caitlin Collins was, in a way, let down by her own network because of this decision to have an audience for a Trump town hall comprised entirely, it would seem, of Republican voters or Republican-leaning voters. So you therefore had an audience that was extremely supportive of Mr. Trump and would sort of giggle at his various uh, digs at Caitlin Collins and his other uh, exaggerations or sometimes his uh, outright lies about the 2020 election. And I think it's important that you uh, raise the subject of Eugene Carroll. Um, now, that is something that I think a lot of people across the political spectrum have been um, disturbed by the way she was uh, spoken about and the way that the audience seemed to laugh at Trump's yes. uh, mocking offer. Um, I I should say, just in case people are wondering why uh, Mr. Trump doesn't face jail time, that was a civil trial in which he was held liable for damages rather than a criminal trial, which is innocence or guilt and a potential custodial sentence. But nonetheless, liable for sexual abuse and defamation, ordered to pay $5 million, as you say. And then the following night, he's on national television uh, claiming that he'd never met E. Jean Carroll uh, and um, making light of her allegations, which were very serious and very detailed. Yes, yeah.
0: and saying, describing her as a whack job, mm. that was ugly, but almost everything he did, this was a, an hour-long program, an attempt by CNN, it seems, Niall, and I'm sure you'll confirm this, to they are left or progressive or liberal, whatever they are, but they're biased, and we've criticized them in our conversations here over the last several years for being too progressed, too left wing and there's bias all over the place. They're a kind of an alternative to Fox News, not as ugly, of course, and not as dishonest, but really at the same game.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think CNN came under a lot of legitimate criticism, including from you and me, for what that's worth, during the Trump presidency for being kind of petty in its criticisms. I mean, it was, there are, of course, and we have made lots of criticisms of Trump in terms of his authoritarianism and in terms of his behavior. But often CNN just seemed to be in this weird symbiotic relationship with him where they would poke him for some stupid tweet and he would poke them back. And a lot of people believe that CNN did harm its reputation or its brand during those years. There is pretty clearly an attempt by CNN to try to get back to the middle. And this town hall event was clearly seen when it was initially conceived as part of that effort. Unfortunately, it has backfired massively, and now the people who organized it in the upper reaches of CNN are now under fire themselves for having uh, been um, complicit in such a fiasco.
0: Yes. Now, many people are relieved, and when they think about it, terrified, that Russia didn't move against Ukraine when Donald Trump was president, and he will be president again if the Republicans win, because it se- he seems almost certain on the figures we have, and you'll tell us about that in a few moments, but he seems certain to be the Republican nominee for the presidency next year. But questioned by Caitlin Collins the other night on some of the major issues are, <laughs> at play, for example, asked if he... He backed Ukraine to win. He wanted Ukraine to win this conflict with Putin. He wouldn't say. He claimed he would fix it all within 24 hours. And there were many other dangerously provocative things he he had to say. And when it came to Putin, he seemed confused.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you're very right to point out his failure to back ukraine in any meaningful way at all he completely dodged that question which is a fairly simple question you know do you want ukraine to win do you want ukraine to prevail having been invaded by another (laughs) much larger and aggressive neighbor and he just uh, kicked for touch on that He, he made some sort of rather vague comments about he would want to people stop stop die and stop killing each other, which, of course, everyone wants. But but that's a different thing from not being able to say that you want Ukraine to to win. Um, The other point just on that uh, question, Eamon, is, of course, it is a very live issue here because of the elections next year um, and already Republicans in Congress, some of them at least, being much more reluctant to back Ukraine with the same intensity and same uh, cadence that the United States has done so far. So these kind of comments from Trump certainly play into that. And I would assume from a Western European perspective, never mind a Ukrainian perspective, they're pretty worrying.
0: Yes, and he made the claim, and you can never believe anything that this man says. He said the U.S. had put $170 billion behind Ukraine in various ways, whilst Europe had only put $30 billion He said that this was disproportionate. He said the United States was being taken for a ride by the Europeans, and he promised that that wouldn't happen again. And, of course, we know that when he was president, he was disrespectful of NATO and, indeed, Europe. He fought with Germans, with Angela Merkel, And he made a valid point, in fact, that they weren't paying their share of 2% of GDP into NATO, which they weren't, and they are now. But it was clear that he doesn't really have any commitment to the free world or what we call the free world.
2: That's right. I mean, I think that there is clearly within Trump a very deep skepticism about multilateral institutions generally, about American engagement overseas at all. Uh, This America first idea that he puts forth is very important to him. And I think you're right to separate that out from the valid point that he did make about Germany in particular not paying its dues and, and pressuring them to do so when it comes to NATO. The other thing about Trump on this particular issue is, uh, you mentioned that comment that he made during the CNN town hall about he would be able to solve it in a day. He has previously indicated, although he didn't in the CNN event, that he would be willing to pressure the Ukrainians to give up some amount of territory in order to bring a resolution to that war. And That in itself is extremely problematic because however that war ends, it would be a a very significant shift in position for the American president, on whom the Ukrainians are relying, let's face it, to basically telling them to make concessions for peace, which appears to be Trump's position, though, of course, Trump's positions are often hard to nail down specifically.
0: Yes, but it isn't just the Ukrainians who... Depend on America. I mean, Europe does Mm. really. I mean, that's the fact. And it's always been the fact, going back to the Second World War and before, that this is isolationism. This is isolationist talk. And what Biden has done, and I would argue, and many people would, I think, that the great success of his presidency has been the response to Russian aggression and indeed to Chinese aggression when it comes to Taiwan. So the stakes here are hugely high, and to have someone of Trump's obvious, well, unpleasantness, shall we say, and also someone who is so uninformed. On, on, for example, the debt ceiling, he argues, which is, of course, a pressing matter in the United States, as you know. Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, says, On June 1st, America will technically have no money, and that, of course, presents America and the world with a massive crisis. Trump wants America, and called for it in this interview, to default.
2: He did, and it was one of the most um, important comments that he made in relation to uh, a current issue on Capitol Hill. His argument is that Republicans should press their case for massive spending cuts. Democrats and President Biden have been refusing to make such cuts. Trump's argument is that Republicans have to hold the line. He did say he believed that Democrats would absolutely cave, but, and this is an exact quote, if they don't give you massive cuts, you're going to have to do a default. Um, It would be the first default in American history if that happened. It would shape the global financial system in an extremely serious way. The repercussions from it would be felt in Ireland, in Western Europe, and everywhere else. And uh, that is the course of action that he is, you know, quite explicitly and proudly arguing for.
0: And literally, we're days away from a situation where decisions have to be made. There are so many things that were unpleasant and unseemly about this evening. One of them was he called Caitlin Collins a nasty person. And when he did that, and this was the disturbing thing about the whole setup, the audience cheered and laughed. Mm. This is a man who, 24 hours earlier, had been found guilty of sexually assaulting a woman. Now, verbally assaulting a journalist doing her job, he also went back to the 2020 election, would not accept that it was a fair election. And he wouldn't commit, which I found quite remarkable, to accepting the result of the 2024 election if it didn't go his way. So uh, America seems to be on the brink with this guy.
2: Well... Primarily because, of course, this guy is uh, uh, the clear and resounding favorite right now to be the Republican nominee for president in twenty twenty four, and the former president, to, and
0: the former president of the United States, former,
2: absolutely, absolutely, and you know, with a, a, what looks now like at a minimum uh, a, a roughly fifty fifty shot of assuming that office again. It, I, I noted the same comment that you're referring to, where he he said that he uh, he was asked, would he Accept the results. And he said something to the effect of he would if it were an honest election, uh, which is a need to have quite a lot of neck on his part to say that, given that he continues to perpetuate lies about the 2020 election. Trump has always, in, in every election he has contested, m- made those kind of equivocations. In 2016, whenever he was expected, frankly, to lose to Hillary Clinton, he said broadly similar things. Obviously, in 2020, we all saw what happened, including uh, January the 6th. And now he is making essentially the same argument again. I mean, the argument everyone understands to be I'll accept the election result if I win, and I won't if I lose.
1: Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable.
0: First of all, the figures for the nomination on the Republican side, because there are other candidates who have declared, although Ron DeSantis, who was for a while regarded as his principal opponent, has not declared and, and appears to be melting in the heat. But Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina and a former US representative to the UN, she has declared, but I think she's on four percent, isn't she?
2: She is. Uh, you're exactly right. The the main polling averages here have her on four percent. Mike Pence, the former vice president, who hasn't declared on six, DeSantis twenty two, Trump fifty two. Um, so Trump is thirty points clear in the Republican field. Um, he has increased his lead over Ron DeSantis and everyone else in the past uh, couple of months. It is possible, of course, that DeSantis will declare and make more headway than appears apparent right now. But uh, the odds of a Donald Trump victory in the Republican nomination battle have very clearly increased and are clearly very, very strong.
0: And this is despite being found guilty by a jury of sexual abuse and indeed of libel, it's despite the various court cases that are being taken against him or, or may be taken against him by the Department of Justice. It makes one wonder what is happening in America.
2: does. I mean, you have a man mired in both civil and criminal cases, uh, the uh, sexual abuse and defamation one on the civil side, and the suggestion of falsif- falsification of documents uh, on the criminal side, and potentially more criminal charges to come, particularly in the probe in Georgia, which you and I have discussed before, Ian, yes. uh, a sequence of events in which he made a threatening phone call to our conservative Republican Secretary of State after the 2020 election, uh, pressuring that person to find him enough votes to win. Despite those various civil and criminal problems. Um, He is, as I say, the strong favorite. And I think to your question about what it says about the United States, one of the things it says is that the people who support uh, the former president are basically uh, impervious to negative information about him. And in fact, often find that negative information to be a sort of perverse reason to support him because they immediately discredit such information as being the product of a liberal media or a democratic bias or a biased justice system or some other rationalization to say that what has happened has some other meaning than it actually does.
0: What has been the reaction to Wednesday night of CNN? Because as you point out, it was catastrophic to watch. and. Shamefully unprofessional. Mm. What about the Washington Post, New York Times, and reputable news outlets? Have they commented? Mm. Or,
2: I mean, I, I don't think anybody is happy with CNN. It seems to have been criticised across the board, largely. But I think the the bigger picture is probably, to some extent, how does the media deal with this presidential run? Uh, by a person who is so clearly the favourite to be the Republican nominee and, on the other hand, engages in uh, distortions and outright lies and uh, also sort of personal invective so much of the time. There is, incidentally, some suggestion that Eugene Carroll could sue for defamation again over what Trump said in the CNN yes. town hall. And she was being encouraged by some commentators to do that now, obviously. That's up to her. But my point is, how do you deal with this person who is so willing to go there in so many ways, but can't really be ignored given that he has a significant, very significant chance of retaking the office from which he was ousted in 2020?
0: Yes, and just a final point before I move on to something else I want to ask you about. But the idea of an audience in a town hall laughing mm. at sexual assault, mm. laughing when he called the woman a whack job, thinking it was great fun. Mm. I mean, th- that is repugnant to every fiber in most decent people's bodies. This woman had been a victim, was found mm. by a jury to have been a victim. And not only did he not show remorse he called her, again, a whack job.
2: Yeah, and seemed to take sort of glee in the audience reaction, I would say. Uh, And that is, I think, always one of the things that has been so problematic about Trump's behavior. He engages in behavior and abuse and language that is uh, indecent by any reasonable yardstick. And whether that is a person... Who like Eugene Carroll, who he has been found uh, civilly liable for sexually abusing, or back in the day when he was uh, running in twenty sixteen, uh, attacking the parents, uh, parents who had lost a uh, son uh, in America's foreign conflicts because yes. they had criticised him. He is, uh, I think, um, without uh, moral scruple really. Uh, And I mean, he would probably, I think, see that as a good thing because he would think, well, you either win or you lose in life and however you win is kind of beside the point. But that has, I think, pretty clearly contributed to a degradation of American culture and American political life, which you and I have noted before.
0: Of course. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you about this debt default and our Kevin, that's McCarthy, Mm -hmm. Kevin McCarthy, who is now the Speaker in the Congress, very powerful position, third in line for the presidency. And one of his congressmen is a man called George Santos. Mm. And the situation with our Kevin is that if one, one Congress man or woman complains about him, he can be forced to have a rerun of his vote. George Santos is one of his party members, can you tell us about George Santos?
2: <laughs> I can't. I don't you <laughs> well,
0: we, well, we're on your time and you have about five <laughs> minutes before you have to go to your next engagement. Six minutes. But it, just to give our audience <clears> who <throat> aren't watching this stu- stuff and depend on us sure. to report it, tell us about George Santos, who is a Republican congressman.
2: He is, and he's also A powerful a, one
0: with the vote he's got.
2: That's right. He represents a district just outside, uh, just outside New York City, was elected only last November. He is clearly a fabulous. He has already been discovered in a whole stream of lies about his background, where he went to school, where he worked. He claimed, bizarrely, to have been a volleyball star, which he was not. One of his most peculiar examples was claiming... Um, Jewish heritage, which is untrue, and when he was called on that, he said that he meant Jew-ish, that he had some like affinity with the Jewish people, even though he were not himself Jewish. So, he's a very, very strange guy. The reason he's in the news this week is more serious again, because he has been charged in relation to alleged campaign finance violations. He pleads not guilty. The Accusation, in short, is he set up, or had friends set up, a fund uh, that was uh, purporting to help from the outside with his election campaign. And when people gave money into that fund, he allegedly lifted it and put it into his personal bank account and used it for his personal expenses.
0: So he's quite an important man now, isn't he? Because Mm. could he not force our Kevin to um, be voted on again? He could, he could, he to could retain his job.
2: Yeah, he could. I mean, one of the difficulties is that our Kevin, as you call him, has such a narrow majority anyway for any kind of legislation. But you're right. As part of the deal that got McCarthy elected as Speaker in January in the first place, he did give this power to any Republican member who wanted to call for a vote on his speakership. So Santos could do that so far. It is notable that McCarthy has not called for Santos's expulsion from Congress, although he has distanced himself from him in other ways. And Santos, for his part, has expressed gratitude for the patience, as he puts it, of the Republican leadership. So for the moment, McCarthy and Santos are in this awkward but civil uh, dynamic with each other. But it. it could uh, blow up in all sorts of unpredictable ways.
0: Yeah, our Kevin, of course, is our derivative from Trump's description of Correct. McCarthy as my Kevin. Correct. Just a final question, Niall, about Joe Biden and polling doing badly, I believe.
2: Yes, very badly. In fact, there was a particularly bad poll for him released last weekend from reputable organizations, ABC News and the Washington Post commissioned it, and we could run through all sorts of negative results in the depths of that poll. The point is, it tested as a hypothetical, a uh, President Biden running against former President Trump, and Trump beat him by seven points, or six to seven points, depending on what exact measure you use. Right. Uh, that obviously is a dramatic result. That's a much worse head-to-head result than Biden normally suffers. His approval rating in that fall was very bad. He has bad news coming this week on immigration where there's expected to be a surge at the southern border. So uh, it could, of course, improve, could turn around, but a rather bleak position for Biden as of right now.
0: Okay, now we're very grateful to you for joining us on the stand as always, and I highly recommend the piece you wrote for The Hill. It's a superb piece of journalism about the CNN Trump experience. Thank you very much to Nile to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We we'll talk to you soon.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen